I don't know if you've been a patient in a hospital recently, but pretty much anyone that you visit in Australia, you have this little remote thing that gives you all the power and control to do things. So your little TV in front of you, or sometimes you can move the bed up and down. And of course, you've got the big nurse call button that you press when you need some help. And have you seen the different things that happen when you press this button? Sometimes, depending on the hospital, when you press it, you're not even sure if you've actually pressed it. Other times it sets off sirens and lights and everyone knows that you need a hand. When you're inpatient in a hospital, that remote and the screens and everything, they're provided by the hospital. That's basically your little control center. Your way as a patient to engage with the rest of the hospital. Well, in this episode, I'm chatting with Fergal O'Farrell from Hills Health Solutions, who are Australia's largest provider of nurse call and patient engagement technologies. Today, we're talking about what's important when it comes to patient engagement in hospitals, aged care facilities, and retirement homes across Australia and New Zealand. We talk about the complexities of health technology procurement in Australia and the practicalities of interconnected health. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Fergal O'Farrell, General Manager, Commercial and Strategy at Hills Health Solutions. He's spent the last 20 years working in senior roles for specialist healthcare IT providers and is passionate about developing a collaborative digital health ecosystem within Australia. So he's speaking my language. Fergal, how are you going? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining for today's conversation. It's great to have you here. Tell us a bit more about you, mate, and your background. Okay. I've spent about 20 years in healthcare IT, uh, starting back in my Ericsson days where we were supplying kind of staff to staff communications into hospitals, moving on to another organization, an Australian owned organization called Integrated Wireless, where we were basically providing code gray and code black management systems for staff so that they could raise duress alarms no matter where they were in the hospital, trying to improve staff safety in quite a, you know, tense and trying situations like mental health and drug alcohol rehab and areas like that. Then moved on to ASCOM, where we were very much a software-driven organization selling medical device integration software. So bringing all of those and alerts and alarms from all those different medical devices and trying to get them into a single management point so that, you know, staff can optimize their responses and you can filter out a lot of the noise and just really act on, on the critical ones. And then finally to where I am here today at Hills, where we sell everything from nurse call systems through to patient entertainment and patient engagement systems. So that's been my journey to this point. Well, there's some consistencies there, but you've also seen it from different perspectives as well. So that'll bring some unique perspective. Tell us a bit more about Hills. You just touched on it then, Hills Health Solutions and what it does in healthcare in Australia. Yeah. So Hills Health Solutions, we are primarily focused on the hospital and residential aged care setting. So we work with both public and private hospital organizations and also, as I said, with the, the not-for-profits and the for-profit aged care sector as well. What we do in each one of those segments is kind of the same and kind of different, if you know what I mean, that like the similarities in technology, but kind of the use cases of those technologies differ a little bit. So for example, from a patient's entertainment perspective, we have approximately 17,000 beds of our um, TVs deployed across Australia where 
the hospital don't actually provide the TVs. We provide the TVs as a managed service and then the patients pays for them on a rental basis. And, and we have a big infrastructure sitting behind that in terms of contact centers and you know technical staff to be able to deliver and support all of that. We also manufacture, design and manufacture our own nurse call product here in Victoria. Um, so our R&D group based here in Port Melbourne and our manufacturers done that in Dandenong in Melbourne. And that makes us quite unique in terms of being a tier one nurse call provider that, that we're actually designing and manufacturing here rather than importing and implementing. So we're kind of a vertically integrated organization in, in that sense, in terms of we're designing, manufacturing, implementing and supporting our customers in that space. And then we supplement that with a couple of other technology offerings. One is our guest Wi-Fi solution, you know, and again, that kind of encroaches in on the patient engagement or patient entertainment area. Obviously, as you said, when you're sitting in a, an inpatient setting and you're in the bed and you're there for a while, the television is one method of escape from the drudgery, but also just having access to your own normal communications and entertainment content is very important there as well. So obviously with our guest Wi-Fi solution, we provide free of charge, low bandwidth services for all guests at the hospital and the hospitals generally uh, rent that, you know, they, they pay us for that. And then we also offer for uh, patients or a visitor to be able to upgrade to a premium service, uh, which they pay for as well. And then that allows them to do screening and all that other good stuff too. And then recently we've just acquired a business called Extensia, which is actually a health record organization. So basically in the community, you know, interconnected community healthcare, having that kind of ability for different practitioners, whether it be in a hospital, in the aged care facility, whether it be the GPs, is how do we have a common view of that resident or that patient and how can we coordinate care based on having a single record for that patient? But it's a closed ecosystem and it's a curated record too. So not everything has to go onto it. It's just what the doctor or the practitioner would deem as being requiring sharing with the other people in the care continuum. So they're the kind of areas that we involved in. But, you know, the underpinning thing is that it's all digitally delivered. So it's, you know, cross-converged network and it's all about working and integrating with the ecosystem, whether that be other technology providers within the hospital or the aged care facility. That's predominantly what we do. Yeah. What's interesting is that you've got a few different moving parts there, as you described, there's on one side, the essentially direct to consumer, but, you know, through the hospital side where consumers would or patients would subscribe to a service through you to be able to access additional entertainment, but then also your manufacturing devices in Australia, that's quite a different vehicle to drive. It's still related in a broad sense, but then also there's the record that you've recently acquired too. So, you know, you mentioned that tying all together is technology and the need for integration, but it really sounds like that patient engagement piece is really core to all, all those different moving parts as well. Does that sound about right? It is. And one of the challenges in this is that there's obviously many technology parts we offer, but then there's many technology parts that are actually already within the hospital or on the roadmap within the hospital for what they want to do. Things like, you know, electronic medical records, things like having a single enterprise-wide um, integration and messaging engine so that you can kind of coordinate all of that workflow and all of that alerting and notification traffic across the network. So there's a lot of other moving parts within that. 
And also what we're noticing now is this real, it starts at confusion, but works its way through to clarity with hospitals, which is how do we provide an inpatient engagement setting that gives them what the hospital needs to give them as a minimum requirement from an entertainment perspective, allows them to bring their own content and engage with that, but also then have an overlay that is basically a, a more clinical overlay, which is moving into ensuring that the patient is going to get the best outcomes, that they're engaged in their care pathway, and how do they push content education to them, but also ensure that they're engaging with that, that they're reading that, that they're taking it in, and then ultimately being able to move towards having proper scoring and rating mechanisms like PREMS and PROMS so that they can measure the experience that the patient has had, but also start measuring the outcomes based on whatever clinical intervention or care pathway that the patient was on. And so you've got those multiple layers and hierarchies that you might have different departments in the hospital responsible for. So, you know, a lot of what we end up doing is being that kind of glue that's bringing those different stakeholders within the organization together and saying, well, you actually have to start thinking about this cohesively as an entertainment, although looked after over here, you know, it's the core platform for being able to do like the hospitality services, the guest services, like, you know, integrating with your meals ordering, having a digital whiteboard, you know, and then moving more into the clinical side where you've got those care pathways and you're working on activation and engaging that patient in their care. So yeah, we do spend a fair bit of time being that blue. And I, I can think through a current engagement we have with a large national healthcare group and how ironically you start at one or two people who are, you know, have a vision for what they would like to see as a, as a complete patient engagement. But then by the end of it, you're dragging in IT facilities, a lot of clinical stakeholders, the team who are looking at the, you know, the digital side in terms of whatever they're doing around electronic medical record, et cetera. So ultimately in the end, you've got a cohort of probably 15, 20 people that are actually engaged in this. And then the challenges of trying to cement that and then getting it to some sort of proof of concept and then moving it on to, you know, some sort of practical deployment where they can then measure back. And a lot of technology moving parts, but a lot of human moving parts in that too. Yeah. I think back to my, my own personal experience as a patient where I spent a fair bit of time as an inpatient, probably 10, 12 years ago, I got to say, I didn't think of it as an overly captivating, entertaining and educational experience being that patient. So, and I would think there's probably quite a few patients that would think the same. I think it's interesting and certainly a sign of the times that you talk about enabling patients to be able to utilize their own technologies in an effective way to be able to keep themselves not just preoccupied and pass the time, but I really like this concept of, you know, how do you then bring in some elements from a clinical perspective to be able to engage a patient that way? And you talked a bit about, you know, the role that you play in terms of taking some hospital groups and care providers through that journey and goes from that stage of confusion to kind of clarity. But how far up is this on the radar of hospitals in terms of really thinking about technology and in the sphere of patient engagement? And what are they kind of doing now? And what's that kind of gap that you're trying to help them fill? Yeah, I'll precursor my answer with the fact that the inpatient setting is just one stage of the care pathway. And you have a significant amount of time, you know, on that care continuum around whatever episode it was, whether, you know, in pre-admission and post-discharge. 
And so ultimately, you almost have to reverse engineer it and look at that overall framework and say, the patient is going to spend a fair bit of time engaged pre-admission and post-discharge. And what are we looking to achieve there? So when they turn up, that they're actually well-educated on their procedure. They're actually, from a, an environmental perspective, they've prepared the home and the living space and their lifestyle after they are discharged to be able to cope and thrive post-discharge. And so there's a whole communication method there, which I remember when I went in and had my knee done a year or two ago, I mean, I was basically emailed a PDF that had been photocopied multiple times and it was a form and it was a checklist and it clearly dated from like nineties or something, you know, and I had to then figure out how to sign that and, you know, send it back. And, and it, it was just not a particularly engaging process to go through in that pre-admission. Whereas everyone has a digital tool now in, in the smartphone, everyone after COVID, you know, one of the, whatever positives you take out of COVID, one of them is QR codes you know, and people downloading apps, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're able to do is provide an app on that phone that then connects that patient to the care team. And then the care team have scripts and they have the ability then to be able to curate the information from templates and then push that out to the patient. But it's bi-directional. So you can basically say, hey, we've just sent you this. Can you read that? Can you confirm you've got that, et cetera, et cetera. If you have any questions, reach out. And so it allows the patient to have that kind of bi-directional communication before they come in. And it makes sure that the care team, they're pushing out all the right information and they're preparing the patient for when they come in. So when you actually then come into the inpatient setting, it's just the modality of how you communicate kind of changes. You're sitting in a bed, there's either a touchscreen there on an arm or there's a TV at the end of your bed and you've got a remote control of some format. And it's about then continuing that journey and then as things change. So maybe you put on medication, we can integrate with the pharmacy system and we have a library of those medications so that, you know, when that changes, it can be popped up on the screen and say, Hey, you've had a change in your medication. This is what it is. Would you like to learn more about it? Click yes. Would you like to send this to your partner or your carer? And then they can add in an email address and that can be sent to them to inform them. You know, you can add in things like video capabilities where Doctors and family members can interact with the patient when they're in that inpatient setting, et cetera. And so that's that kind of inpatient setting. And then obviously then you transition from there and then you go back out again. And that's where you want to be checking up with the patients and make sure how they're progressing. And ultimately what we're trying to do in that whole thing is keep communicating with them, keep them informed. They need to know that they will have pain, but if it's above a certain threshold, then that's the reason to come in, not just be come back in, not just because they've had pain. And so you're working at things like, you know, reducing readmissions on that, right? So that's kind of the continuum. And that's where we kind of have to have the conversation start. The challenge then is the building blocks underneath that are quite fragmented, right? And so you might have a TV, a very old TV that isn't digitally enabled. And then how do you upgrade that to something then that can support that menu-driven interactive thing? You've got you know, people will then actually want to use their device when they're sitting in bed and they might want to use that for some of this interaction, but they might also want to be able to stream. And, you know, if they've got a series that they watch on Netflix or Stan or whatever, they want to be able to keep binging on that, et cetera. So the old TVs probably can support casting and that ability to do that too. So you've got a bunch of technical considerations there. 
And then the bit you then have to work with, with the hospital is to say, well, this group looks after that TV and they have a contract to manage that for, you know, with somebody else for 10 or 15 years. And then how do you then bring in this new technology, et cetera. And so they're the practical kind of considerations you have to have. But what I do observe and what I do notice is there is an improving and an increasing recognition within the healthcare systems that this is important, that just giving a basic service, it ticks a box, it gives you compliance, but it's not giving an experience and it doesn't in any way, shape or form engage the patient. And I think then the challenge therein lies that you've then got to bring all of those multiple stakeholder groups together to build that continuum and to be able to have a single platform that kind of then goes from pre-admission inpatient and then post-discharge and that it's a continuum through that. And it's interesting because the, the motivators are slightly different between say public and private health in that. Mm, that's a great point about, you know, looking at that care continuum and the whole life cycle and then bring, like utilizing a platform to tie all those pieces together. I'm curious then about the procurement process for that and what it looks like in a hospital setting, because procurement generally is a complicated one in, a, in the hospital space. What does it look like on your side when you're liaising with hospitals on, on the procurement of your technology? Yeah, look, that, that's sometimes the greatest challenge that the way hospitals get built and the way that technology gets procured tends, everything's broken down into streams. There's been an, an increasing maturity over the last while, make no mistake, but there's still enormous frustrations at a vendor level that you could have a very nicely integrated end-to-end -end solution, but the integrity of that gets disintermediated by the fact that they maybe have a technology preference for something else and they implement that in one of the underpinning technology streams. So you tend to find that the longer you have in the, um, and the, to that procurement process and the more time that you've spent with the clinical stakeholders and that broader thing, it's a far more educated go-to-market model. However, you know, we still see a lot of very fragmented go-to-market models for these procurement processes where you still have in them, they're never going to favor that end goal, which is to have that continuum and that fully integrated kind of care model. I'm not sure whether you wanted me to give examples on that, but. Um, yeah, look, I'd love to hear, like, tell me some more about that then. Like, you've got some examples of what that looks like? Yeah. So. For example, when you're building a hospital, they have these kind of groupings for technology, like group one, group two, and group three. Group one is basically where the builder chooses it and implements it based on a specification. And group two is where the hospital chooses it, but the builder implements it. And then you've got this group three, which is the hospital chooses it and the hospital implements it. But if you're building a hospital over like a five-year period, right, you know, from when you actually break soil when you actually have patients, you know, move in or decant in. There's a lot of technology change. There's a lot of moving and shifting and advances. And ultimately, tenders are responded to on day one. And you kind of have to be able to deliver what you have on paper. It can't just all be roadmap and it can't just all be, you know, up dreams. And at the end of the day, the hospital will go up in five years' time and there'll be an expectation that the technology that is modern and of that time period. And so sometimes what happens is, as needs is that, you know, when the hospital's been built in the early stages and you've got those group one items, that sometimes those group one items are selected and they're, for whatever reasons, in terms of preferences, biases, price, you know, there's a bunch of different parameters there that that technology will not be able to support some of the technologies that you're talking about later on. And then you've got these 
really clunky workaround integrations that have to be done at the end based on the fact that one technology was put in on day one of the project and one was selected, you know, six months or 12 months out from the go live date. And so, you know, that, that's a challenging process. And there's also the concept that, you know, you have to have a converged network. You have to have an underpinning on an IT network. But sometimes in the decision making process early on, that products and solutions that are hybrid, they're not pure IP, you know, they're not a genuine converged technology that they get selected. And you try to integrate that with a fully digital system right at the end. And again, you're talking about workmans. And then that ultimately compromises the patient experience because it's not seamless, it's not smooth, and it's then just not engaging. And the whole concept of patient engagement is to engage the patients rather than having a clunky interface that's, you know, you back off the description back down to being a patient information system rather than a patient engagement system because really it is just pushing information up. It's not engaging them in their care pathway. Yeah. And then building on that even further too, like I look through on the, the Hills website and just generally speaking to people when it comes to, to Hills Health, proudly Australian and doing your manufacturing here in Australia, I see on government procurement on tenders and there's, you know, requirements or at least an emphasis on the importance of having local content and local providers. Does that provide you a benefit, like, I guess, an edge in some of these procurement opportunities being, you know, all Australian? I would love to say it's a lay down misere. It's certainly not. You see in most tenders, there's there's always a a waiting and a, a wording that is focusing on local content. But at the end of the day, it still becomes a budget, you know, a pound, shillings and pence to use the old, the old currency. It's still a lot of the times boils down to that. Some of those more esoteric elements like the source of manufacture actually sometimes gets overlooked. I think though that's twofold because there's two reasons for that is because I still sit with people, people that have been in the industry for a long time and you talk to them and you say, yeah, we're Australian manufacturer. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we get that you do your R&D here, but you're not manufacturing here. And we can guess we are manufacturing. It's good. We're doing it and along. It's, you know, we physically manufacture here. Yeah, okay. We have to, you know, there isn't a great semiconductor business here in Australia. So, you, you know, you kind of have to import that stuff. But in terms of building the PCBs, assembling the products, shipping them to sites, it's all done here in Australia. And people kind of just look at you and go, in this day and age, you're still manufacturing in Australia. And there is kind of a bit of a disbelief. And I, and I honestly don't think that Australians and people procuring in healthcare in Australia actually believe that there is much manufacturing going in in Australia on, you know, healthcare IT because it is quite rare. And so I think that there's just a, an element of assumption that this stuff is coming from overseas because everything does. So I think there is a level of skepticism or, you know, people just don't, don't honestly believe it. And then the other thing is really a lot of these schedules when you're actually responding to a tender are enormously detailed. And when they go into all that Australian, you know, that content, you've actually got to spend an enormous amount of time actually answering those sections to actually extract and draw, you know, make sure that all the evidence is there to point towards it. And the positive, though, I do see is that increasingly the waiting on that side of it, on that local content, and I'm not just talking about manufacture, but, you know, service provision, working with Australian companies and other and partnering with Australian companies that are technology companies as well, that there's a lot more waiting going on to that in the tenders. So we're conscious that we are Australian and we're conscious that we really want to build that ecosystem of Australian organizations. And so we're working with a lot of 
like-minded companies too. So one I'll point out is just Olinqua. They're Australian-owned. They write their own software here in Melbourne, just down the road from us. And we've signed a partnership with them late last year. And effectively, what we're doing is we're representing, being Australian, we believe we need to represent each other. So, you know, we will certainly be introducing them to customers and them introducing us to customers. So there's a, a reciprocal thing there, because if you're kind of smaller Australian businesses, you have to align to, you know, have a little bit more clout in the industry. But also we're working on a, a joint roadmap in terms of development too. So we're really working on that concept that if we partner with Australian businesses, they're here we can work together. We can be dynamic in how we do that. And it kind of becomes a one plus one equals three. So, you know, what we do, what they do. But if you integrate properly and you get some sophisticated levels of integration and you're really focusing on the workflows that are required here in Australia, the actual value to the customer is a significant increment on what you get by just bolting two systems together with a very standard kind of off-the-shelf integration. How good is that? And we know Alinqua well, also fellow THT Plus members and proudly on our website as well, as is Hills Health. So it's great to see, you know, organizations, as you say, looking for those synergies to be able to deliver solutions that are, are well integrated and together as a partnership can solve some problems that are greater than the sum of their parts. That's awesome. If I'm thinking about then to give that hope to other Australian digital health companies around or those that are paving their way, you know, you've seen a fair bit in your time. How do you think Australian digital health companies will need to adapt to succeed in this space moving forward? I think collaboration is key. As you said, the sum of the parts has got to be significantly more than the individual parts. Just like that, you know, that premiership winning club that you think back and you kind of go, oh, they didn't have any standout players, but as, you know, as a collective, they were able to get the job done. And I think that's the mentality that we got to have. None of us are going to be household names. We're not going to carry, you know, the individual brand kudos that these big international digital health brands carry. And it's hard work and it's about working as a collective on care and bringing in Australian digital health tech companies in that space too. So it's a philosophy that we at Hills really adhere to. It's one of those things that when you say you're proudly Australian, you kind of have to be proudly Australian. And part of that is actually getting out there, rolling your sleeves up and having a red hot dip. And that to me, the hope and the optimism is that I think there's now a real realization across Australian digital health that they can do it as individuals. So I'll rephrase that. Some will do it individually, but there is absolute power in a collective that are working towards a common goal. And to me, the optimism is that these things starting to really take shape. I was talking to Lisa Thompson from Hills, who's driving the consortium that Extensio are part of. And now they're actually getting people coming to them saying, we want to be part of this because we see the value in this. And to me, that's the optimistic note in all of this, that the industry has got to realize, and until the industry realizes that, then we won't be a force. But now that realization is there, there's great potential for us to be a force in the market here. I picture many a nodding head as they listen to this episode, Fergal. So I think that hopefully we can help get that word out even further. I'm completely aligned with you on, on all of that. I think that's super important. If we're going to see progression in this space, it's going to be for all those reasons about partnering, collaborating, which is what we talk about all the time in this show. So that's super duper. Look, lastly, then I'm keen to learn about what you're focusing on from Hills, what we might see from you over the next 6, 12, 24. Yeah. So 
We're in the process now of doing the workshops and the configuration on some of the patient engagement solutions. We're working with a couple of private hospitals. I think I, I referred to this to the earlier on today that private hospitals and public hospitals kind of have a different view on, on this. Private hospitals are now starting to have a very clear view of the fact that they need a differential offering. I was talking to the COO of a private hospital group and, you know, he jokingly said, look, when people leave here, what they talk about is the food and the television, you know, and I know that's not entirely true, but in this context, that's the key thing. And so this concept that if you're offering a premium service, it's got to be premium all the way through. And so the quality of the experience that the patient has when they're in the hospital is really, really important. So the bit that really excites me is the feedback I'm getting from these workshops where they're really pushing the boundaries on some of the integrations with the meal ordering system so that you have dietary specific meal options presented to you because we're integrating with the meals ordering system and we're also integrating with the EMR so that, you know, if the person has some dietary restrictions like say salt intake levels, et cetera, that the meal options presented to them will be within that context so that they can order the wrong meals or if they do that they're doing it you know absolutely with clear understanding of what they're doing so that kind of stuff that level of integration that really excites me because that's the emr and the meals ordering system but then the meals ordering system and the emr have got to be integrated as well so that kind of tripartite integration to as that level of sophistication to what's presented to a patient that to me is really really exciting and the other bit is that some of the conversations we're having customers around digitizing some of the information in the room. So this concept about getting away from having a, a literal whiteboard in the room and moving that to a digital whiteboard as part of the patient engagement system, that's really exciting. But also, you know, the old process of scribbling patient details and demographics on a card and slotting it, in, you know, on a piece of paper and slotting it in at the head. We have a couple of projects now where we're actually working to digitize all of that as well. So that within the room, there's a digital display with all of that. It's fully integrated with the uh, PaaS system so that with any ADT events, so if they're transferred or they're discharged or whatever, it's real time, it's immediate, and it just saves the nursing staff all that time of doing all that manual stuff and doing that. And although these conversations aren't in every hospital, in every project, starting to have these conversations now and there's several of them and they are real integration real digital integration and so to me that's the real positive that both shows long and then ultimately people can copy them and emulate what they've done so you need those people who boldly go where no one goes you know before to actually be the first one for me that's the yeah Oh, absolutely. And I think that some of those points that you raised, like the integration with the meals as well as the EMR to be able to deliver up the right types of services to patients and pulling together some of those entertainment preferences as well as the clinical needs. These Some of these things sound like no-brainers, but super difficult to be able to implement with all the lack of connection between all these different systems. So I, I do wish you all the best in that endeavor to try and bring some of these difficult pieces together to do some things that in the end feel really simple for a patient and meaningful and engaging. So I'll put the details for Hills in the show notes of this episode for people to check out and to learn more and connect if they feel the need. I really appreciate you making the time, Fergal. Thank you so much. No, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. 
Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.